It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. I'm Charlie Slows. And I'm Dave Jagler. And welcome to Curly W Live from the Booth. Every episode, we'll be talking about some of the greatest games in Nationals history. And of course, we'll have a chance to answer some of your questions. If you'd like to send us along a question to answer here on this podcast, send them to nationalsradio at nationals.com or direct message to at Nats Radio on Twitter, and we'll answer your questions at the end of every episode. Curly W Live from the Booth is presented by Geico. Geico makes it so easy to switch and save on car insurance and homeowners insurance. Visit Geico.com and see how much you could save. Geico, proud partner of the Washington Nationals. Well, this is episode four of Curly W Live from the Booth. If you've been following along, episode one, we discussed the wild card game and the great come from behind win for the Nationals. And then uh, the uh, come from behind win again, game five, the National League Division Series. The Nationals rallied from two games to one down and won the final two and earned themselves a chance to go to St. Louis for the National League Championship Series. We discussed that in episode three with a four-game sweep of the Cardinals. Uh, And so the Nationals surprised everybody and earned themselves, Dave, some time off. Time off that the so-called experts thought would hurt the Nationals because historically it's hurt other clubs to be off almost a week before they play in the World Series. Yeah, that, that had been the recent history that the team with more rest tended not to do as well with the layoff, but the Nationals were a veteran team. And I think with the way they really you know put the pedal to the metal at the end of the regular season and uh, you know a grueling schedule early in the postseason, the six days off they had was a, was a godsend to get some of those older legs, get those guys off their feet. They were able to stay sharp. They played some some nighttime kind of intra-squad games at Nationals Park under the lights, and they really had to stand by and wait. When the Nationals completed the sweep of the Cardinals, the ALCS was, was barely halfway done. I believe it was three games in, and so we'd have to wait a while to see ultimately who the opponent would be. And once Jose Altuve hit that walk-off home run against Aroldis Chapman, we knew the Nationals would be headed to Houston to face the Astros in game one. Yeah, interesting that in game six of the American League Championship Series, I know you and I talked about it, the day and age where game six of the American League Championship Series each team did not have a starting pitcher. They went with a bullpen game. And uh, I, we, obviously, we never saw anything like that before. Yeah, and you know, as as you looked at the, the matchup of the World Series, once the Astros moved on, you figured the national, you know, nationally, the Nationals were not getting the respect. I mean, the the odds makers going in had the Nationals the largest underdog since the 2007 Rockies, who, who ended up getting swept by the Boston Red Sox. So nationally, there was not a lot of respect. But when you looked at the, at the matchups, you'd say, well, if you have Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, and Sanchez, you like the matchups starting pitching wise. When the Astros had a dominant top of their rotation, but maybe not the depth in their rotation one through four, and just considering how well the Nationals had played, you know, winning six games in a row and and ultimately winning a bunch of road games, I don't think they were scared to go on the road. And and I thought the Nationals were being undervalued with the with the lack of respect they were getting nationwide. We're ready for game one of the 2019 World Series between the National League champions, the Washington Nationals, and the American League champions, the Houston Astros. Game one, teams were able to line up with their with their rotations, and Max Scherzer starting for the Nationals against Garrett Cole for the Astros, and uh, Cole gave up a, a leadoff single to Trey Turner to start the World Series on a 1-0 pitch. Trey would later steal second base, but after a uh, Adam Eaton tried to bunt, popped up to the third baseman, uh, he came back cold, did to strike out both Rendon and Soto to get out of the inning, stranding a runner at second. Well, that at bat in the first inning between Cole and Soto is one you want to circle because Cole beats Soto with a high fastball. He would try to do that later in the game and wouldn't have quite the same result. But when the Nationals missed that scoring chance, 
the Astros would not miss their scoring chance in the bottom of the first. And this was an interesting outing for Scherzer. And, and Max had obviously a strange second half of the season with the, the neck issues and the back issues and you know, pitched fairly well down the stretch. But then the postseason, he came out of the, out of the bullpen, so he was pitching on, on irregular days. And Scherzer wasn't really sharp. He really had to grind basically through every inning he pitched in the entire World Series. We know what he did in Game 7 after being scratched in Game 5, but in Game 1, every inning was just a slog for Max. And in the first inning, he walked the leadoff batter, as he did in the wild card game. Jose Altuve then singles on the very next pitch, so immediately he's in the soup, two on, nobody out. He then bounces back with back-to-back strikeouts, but faces Yuli Gurriel with two on and two outs, and Gurriel gave Scherzer a tough time in this series. He had a two-run double. Crowd's going crazy. Houston's up two to nothing. Swing and a fly ball left center field. Soto going back. Warning track at the wall. And it's off the wall in play. It'll score two. Goriel is into second ahead of the throw. And Carlos Correa comes up next. That was a battle, too. Scherzer eventually struck him out on a full count swinging to end the inning. But it was interesting in that 26-pitch first inning, as Max would talk about this later, most of the time when he missed, Dave, he missed down. He bounced a lot of pitches that Kurt Suzuki blocked. There was a wild pitch with uh, Springer able to move to third, just one in the inning. But he felt like in that ballpark with that team, if he was going to miss, he was going to miss in the dirt and bounce those balls. You don't want to miss up in that park because it's just a short porch either way. And the other thing, and the reason, along with that, why his pitch count went up, we know that the Astros, we talked about it all through the series, they're a team you had to beat in the strike zone. Seldom did they chase pitches out of the strike zone. So that led to a lot of deep counts. And for Scherzer in this game, you ended up throwing 112 pitches in five innings. So you're talking about an average of of well over 20 pitches per inning. And that first inning took a toll with 26 pitches. So the Nationals are down 2 nothing after an inning, but were able to get on the board with two out in the top of the second inning. The longest tenured National got them on the scoreboard. Here's the wide of the pitch. Swing and a drive hit well. Deep center field. Way back goes Springer to the warning track. Looking up and it is gone. Goodbye. Bang. Soon goes the Z-Man to the deepest part of Minute Maid Park. Just to the left of the batter's eye in center field. Ryan Zimmerman with his second home run of the postseason cuts the Astros lead in half. So Ryan Zimmerman with a blast over the center field fence, 413 feet just to the left of dead center. And that felt good because immediately you came back down 2-0 and the Nationals cut the lead in half. And I think just mentally there was that aura of invincibility around Garrett Cole. He hadn't lost a game since May. And and he was, you know, you were kind of hoping maybe that Yankees-Astros series would go seven games because he would have been lined up to pitch game seven. But instead you're facing him in game one. Immediately the Astros give him a 2-0 lead, but Zimmerman... You know, hits that big fly, they get to dance in the dugout, and the Nationals are having fun again. It's like, okay, we can get to this guy. There's no, there's no hurdle that we can't overcome, and uh, that was a very, very big hit. And ultimately, Zimmerman joining a very short list of players to Homer in his first World Series at bat, and he did it to the age of 35. So a pretty cool moment for Ryan Zimmerman, and one that when Davey Martinez talked about after the game, he got a little bit choked up thinking of what it meant for Zimmerman, who had waited all that time through all the 100 lost seasons early in his career finally gets on the World Series stage and and has a big moment. Yeah, second home run of this postseason, of course, had the big home run against the Dodgers, would eventually help force a game five in the National League Division Series. The Nationals nearly tie the game at the top of the third with two out. Adam Eaton with a single to left, and then Anthony Rendon comes up and takes one to the left center field warning track. Yeah, I mean, Rendon, we knew what, what a big series he was going to have, and ultimately uh, came up a little bit short there. And on the flip side, you know, Scherzer dances around a leadoff walk in the second, and in the third inning, makes a big pitch against Correa again with two on and two outs and that was a chance for the Astros maybe to to build to their lead but Scherzer kept them at bay so it's still a two to one game going to the fourth inning and we get that matchup again that we highlighted in the first inning the flamethrower against the young gun Cole against Soto this time a different result yeah crossing the train tracks 1-0 swinging a fly ball well hit to left field way back goes this one it's got a chance it's going going and long gone up onto the railroad tracks Welcome to the World Series, Juan Soto. You know, Charlie, when he hit that ball, uh, you you knew he hit it well, but you're you're just shocked that a left-handed hitter could hit a ball that far. We've seen right-handed hitters hit the ball up on the railroad tracks over the years when the Astros were in the National League and we go to that ballpark a lot. But for a left-handed hitter to hit a ball that far, because the, the, the Houston ballpark 
it's a it's a very friendly home run park down the lines. You know, left field, you've got the Crawford boxes. Right field is a short porch. But left center around to center, that's a pretty good poke and a high wall to get it out there. And he cleared that that 25-foot wall and cleared the railroad tracks and made an emphatic statement to, to the rest of the country what Juan Soto is all about. Yeah, you talked about uh, invincibility for uh, Garrett Cole. Well, now the cloak of invincibility is totally off. But really, that's how he and Justin Verlander gave up the bulk of their home runs during the regular season. They were right at the top of the major leagues in terms of home runs allowed, particularly you give up a bunch in that ballpark. So now you have a 2-2 game at the top of the fourth inning, even with Max grinding away 21 pitches in the third, 27 in the fourth inning, gave up a leadoff single, a two-out walk, gets out of the inning when Altuve grounded at first, but he's at 96 pitches in four innings. Yeah, I mean, at that point, it's an even game, but you, you figure Scherzer maybe has one more inning in him, and then it's going to be a battle of the bullpen. So what happened in the top of the fifth inning was very big, and ultimately, it was the bottom of the order that set the table. Suzuki drew a leadoff walk against Garrett Cole, and then Victor Robles hitting it out of the number nine spot, gets a single on an 0-2 pitch, and the Nationals immediately have two on with nobody out. Trey Turner flied to right, and that brought up Adam Eaton, already with a base hit to left in the third inning, one of many key hits he had in this World Series. The pause, the kick in the 0-1, swing and a line drive, base hit in a right field. Scoring from third is Suzuki, Robles turns second and will stop there with a looping single to right to give the Nationals their first ever lead in a World Series game. The single to right scores a run. Anthony Rendon then grounds to third on the first pitch from Cole into a force play at second. And then that matchup again with Mr. Soto. Cole comes set. Runners lead first and third. 3-2 to Soto. Swung on. Hit in the inner left field. Brantley going back. Against the Crawford boxes. Off the wall. Bounces by him. Back toward the infield. Robles has scored. Rounding third is Rendon. He comes in to score. On a booming double. Off the left field wall by Juan Soto. The magic wand with a double. On a 3-2 pitch after Cole had fallen behind 3-0 in the count, two-run score on the play, and suddenly the Nationals have a three-run inning and the lead in this game. You know, we made the point in the broadcast, uh, I remember, I think I might have said it after the, the home run, that basically if, you know, if America's getting its first look at Juan Soto, you know, hello, Juan Soto's making his presence known. I, I always felt, you know, that Soto had a, le- a level of underratedness or, or lack of respect you know, you talk about in the past, it was kind of the Trout-Harper comparison. Well, the new comparison around the game is Ronald Acuna and Juan Soto. And those two battled for the Rookie of the Year in 2018. And we're biased. We get to see Juan Soto play every day. And I, all right, so if, if Ronald Acuna is going to be the Rookie of the Year, I can get that. But I think the vote was like 28-2 to two or 29-1. to one. I mm-hmm. thought it was a total lack of respect uh, for, for what Juan Soto is and the consistency that he has. You know, the, the great thing about Juan Soto is the more you see him play, the more you like him. Uh, and, you know, I, th- I think people around the country probably didn't have an appreciation of how good his at-bat quality was, and just how good a ball player that, that he is. And he, on the first game in the World Series, big stage, home run, two-run double. He showed America how good he is. Yeah, that big two-run double. And then the Nats nearly had more in the inning. The next batter, Howie Kendrick, hits a bullet, a line drive. Correa at short makes a diving catch to end the inning. And so Max Scherzer went back to the mound in the bottom of the fifth inning with a lead of 5-2 to two in this game. And knowing where he was at 96 pitches, Dave, in the bottom of the fifth inning, I think he knew he was emptying the tank there. And ultimately had his easiest inning, the first time all game that he gets the Astros 1-2-3 and it took 16 pitches. So the fifth inning ended up being his easiest inning. And so you, you could say he outpitched Garrett Cole, although Cole would settle in, pitch two more scoreless innings. But Cole gives up five runs in seven. Scherzer gives up two runs in five. And of course, the, the riddle that Davey Martinez had to solve all postseason was, if the starter doesn't go as deep as I'd like, how do I get the ball to Doolittle and Hudson? And again, his answer to that so often was Patrick Corbin. And so Corbin, with the long rest, was able to pitch the sixth inning, gave up one hit. And then Tanner Rainey tried to get through the seventh, but Rainey, his first World Series moment, maybe was a little big. Uh, Springer hits a home run leading off the seventh inning. Now it's a 5-3 game. 2-1. Swing a fly ball, well hit, left center field. This one way, way back there. Soto looking up at the wall, and it is gone. And after a strikeout of a Tuve, Rainey lost the strike zone and put uh, Daniel Hudson in a world of hurt as Hudson had to come in to bail him out of the seventh. Yeah, with uh, two walks, back-to-back runners first and second. But he gets Goriel to pop up on the infield. Then Correa 
with a base hit toward the middle of the diamond, an infield hit to short, loaded the bases. So now the pressure's on against the rookie Alvarez, the DH, and Hudson comes up big in this spot. Hudson slowly comes set. The 0-2. He struck him out swinging on a high fastball on the side, retired. Daniel Hudson blows away Jordan Alvarez to retire the side, and the Astros leave the bases loaded in the seventh inning. Yeah, what a battle that was. I mean, you're talking about the rookie there who ended up having a great World Series, but Hudson wins this battle, able to get him on strikes on three pitches. The Nationals exhale. Their lead is two, but still six outs to get. Indeed. So Hudson comes back in the bottom of the eighth inning. He gives up a leadoff base hit uh, to Tucker, the pinch hitter. And after uh, the next batter, uh, Diaz is a pinch hitter, flies out to left center field, Springer doubles to right center. That gets a run home, and now this game is getting tight. Yeah, you're talking about the tying run and scoring position at 5-4 to four and do a little warming, but Davey Martinez kind of plays matchups here. He allows Hudson to face Altuve. Hudson is able to right the ship. He recovers, gets that out on a fly ball to right field. And so Doolittle comes in to face Michael Brantley, dangerous left-handed hitter. Brantley's seen Doolittle a lot earlier in their careers in the American League, but Doolittle wins this matchup, although Brantley hits the ball hard, lines out to the left fielder Juan Soto to end the eighth inning. Doolittle comes back one, two, three in the bottom of the ninth inning. Seemingly the theme for the Nationals when they would win a postseason game. The last out came with a fly ball to the center fielder. Sets. He kicks, he delivers, and a swing and a fly ball left center field. Robles to his right on the run there. He's calling for it, and he makes the catch. And a curly W's in the books. The Nationals take game one of the 2019 World Series. Sean Doolittle with a 1-2-3 bottom of the ninth inning. He retires all four men that he faces. And the Nationals on the field to celebrate a victory. Our final score, the Washington Nationals 5, the Houston Astros 4. So often, though, the pitcher was Hudson, but in this game, as we said, they had to flip-flop. Hudson gets the big outs early as the setup guy. Doolittle gets the save in the Nationals' first-ever World Series game. So Scherzer, five innings, gets the win. And in the end, Doolittle gets the save with holds for Corbin, Rainey, and Hudson. And a one-game-to-none lead for the Nationals after their first ever World Series game. And the fact that they beat Garrett Cole, you, you feel real good going into to game two. And the Nationals, uh, you know, everyone says, well, you, you play the first two games on the road. You want to at least get a split. Well, once you win game one, you want to get greedy. And Davey Martinez wanted them to go 1-0 and in game two. And ultimately, a, a Verlander-Strasburg matchup uh, was, was very appetizing, following on the heels of Cole and Scherzer. Verlander is great a pitcher and a Hall of Famer as he is. The one vacancy on his resume, winless in World Series competition, and that would continue in this World Series. And Strasburg would fortify his postseason legend with a couple of big games squaring off against Verlander. Indeed. Almost hard to imagine Verlander's chances in postseason to have never won a World Series game. And a chance now with Steven Strasburg at the mound in Game 2 against the Astros veteran right-hander Justin Verlander to go up two games to none before the series will shift to Washington. Well, Trey Turner draws a leadoff walk on four pitches to start the game. And uh, then Adam Eaton singles to left. The Nationals have runners first and second. Nobody out top of the first. And Anthony Rendon at the plate. And Verlander gets ahead of him with a swing strike and a cold strike. 0-2. And the 0-2. Swing and a fly ball left field. Moving back, Brantley turns to play it off the Crawford boxes, and it bounces away from him towards center field. Turner scores. Eaton around third. He's coming home. Without a play, he slides across the plate as Correa, the shortstop, has the ball in shallow left center field. On a booming double by Tony Bags, And so a double to left scores two runs. The Nationals a very quick jump on the Astros, 2-0, and then Verlander retires the next three batters, Soto, Kendrick, and... Cabrera striking out two of the three. You see a lot of times with great pitchers, it's a cliche, but it's so often true. If you can get them in the first inning, oftentimes that's your best chance before they can really lock it in. Verlander would lock it in after that rocky first inning, but unfortunately for the Nationals, the script would be similar as Strasburg would have a rocky first inning. And then he would have to lock it in. Yeah, the bottom of the first inning, Altuve doubles with one out. But then he's thrown out trying to steal third. Strasburg sets, runner breaks for third. Fastball to strike, the throw down, the tag by Rendon, and he's out at third base. A moving target hit by Kurt Suzuki with Rendon playing off the line with a left-handed header. 
And so a race to the bag. Rendon gets there and gets the tag on Altuve. As uh, Kurt Suzuki, with an outstanding throw, gunned him down. So Strasburg uh, did have two outs. A single by Brantley comes in front of a two-run home run by Alex Bregman. Here's the set of the pitch. Swinging a fly ball to deep left. This ball is gone. That one over the Crawford boxes, off the wall, above the archway. And Alex Bregman, maybe he did go home and sleep with his back. Yeah, Bregman was kind of thorn in the side of Strasburg in this series. He was able to do some damage on some off-speed pitches. And he gets Strasburg here after a fairly quiet start to the series. Bregman had a miserable game one, but he provides the equalizing hit there. And the Nationals' first inning lead is gone in the blink of an eye. Now you talk about the pitchers, both of them settling down, but neither of them uh, outside of Strasburg having a one, two, three second inning would work without men on base. The Nationals had a hit in each of the next four innings, innings two, three, four, and five. Plus a, a walk in that fifth inning. Verlander was aided by a double play ground ball hit into by Adam Eaton. Strasburg had uh, with an error and a base hit. Two men on in the third pitched around a single and a stolen base in the fourth and a base hit in the fifth inning. Plus in the sixth inning, a one-out double by Guriel. And after a walk to Alvarez, he would come back strong to get Correa on a bloop to the second baseman. And then a big strikeout looking to end the inning of Chirinos. Well, that, that matchup there in the bottom of the sixth inning put Strasburg up at 114 pitches as he ultimately won the battle. So again, it was a very similar theme to game one in that the national starter was effective, but a high pitch count. So you knew Strasburg was done after six innings. At this point, it's a 2-2 game. Verlander's only at 98 pitches. So A.J. Hinch continues with Verlander into the seventh inning. And you knew, well, Doolittle and Hudson, they, they worked a lot in game one. Who's going to pitch the seventh inning? Is it going to be Rodney? Is it going to be Rainey? How are the Nationals going to try to maintain this close game? But the way it worked out, the top of the seventh inning would make this not a close game. And it all started in that inning with Kurt Suzuki coming to the plate. Suzuki had had a miserable postseason. And I looked at his postseason career. He never had a home run in a postseason game. We needed a little summoning to give the Nationals a lead in game two of the World Series. Kurt has never had a postseason home run. Here's the 1-0. Swing a long drive. Left field. He's got one now. Kurt Suzuki gives the Nationals the lead. That one above the Crawford boxes. Kurt Suzuki's first career postseason home run. And the Nationals lead the Astros 3-2 here in the seventh inning. And there it was, as you had mentioned before. And after he hits it, his first postseason, first World Series home run. And uh, now the Nationals able to uh, uh, add to their lead at this point to start the inning. A walk to Victor Robles spelled the end of the night for Verlander. Yeah, and once the Nationals got into that bullpen, things fell apart for the Astros. Ryan Presley came in. He walks Trey Turner. Adam Eaton gets the bunt down. And as Anthony Rendon flies out to center field, Juan Soto comes to the plate, and the Astros do something they had not done in the entire regular season and the entire postseason. They issued their first intentional walk of the 2019 season to Juan Soto to load the bases for Howie Kendrick. After the intentional walk, though, the Nationals would plate five more runs. Maybe that's why they don't issue the intentional walks. And the Astros had a chance to make a play with Kendrick at the plate and could not make the play. Here's the next pitch. Swinging a ground ball left side. It's off the glove of Bregman. He hurries and can't pick it up. All hands are safe and a run will score. Bregman to his left. Boots the ball. Couldn't pick it up. Robles crosses the plate. And the Nationals add to their lead. It's 4-2. to two. That would turn out to be big, Dave, because Cabrera with a single scores two runs after a wild pitch as well. And the Nationals were able to add to their lead. He delivers. Swing a line drive. Base hit center field. Turner will score. Soto the plate and he will score. As Dribble Cabrera drives home two. The Nationals have scored four in the top of the seventh. They lead Houston six to two here at Minute Maid Park. The Astros with a couple of miscues that proved key in the series games in Houston. This one helped to break the game open in front of Cabrera's hit. 3-2 to Zimmerman. Swinging a chopper third base side. Tough chance coming in. Bregman barehands the ball to throw to first. Throws it away. Here comes the second run. He'll score. Zimmerman goes to second. Nobody there. And the throw is not in time with Cabrera scoring behind Kendrick. Yeah, they couldn't make the play on Kendrick. And then Zimmerman, after the Cabrera hit, hits a little swinging bunt. Bregman throws the ball away and another run scores. So the Nationals went from 3-2 in front to 8-2 in front in the blink of an eye. And what was 
really kind of set up to be a, a nail biter, a stomach churner down the stretch, turns into a, a bit of a laugher. And so Davey Martinez is able to stay off his big guns in the back end of the bullpen. He gets very good relief work from Fernando Rodney in the seventh and Tanner Rainey in the eighth. And a couple of nationals able to play long ball in a situation where it's a lopsided game. Adam Eaton in the eighth and Michael Taylor, who's been a postseason hero in the past in the ninth. Last him up, lay down a sacrifice bunt to the six-run seventh. And swings and drives, going to deep right. Toward the line, way back. It is gone. Goodbye. Taylor at homered against the Cardinals in the league championship series. So his second home run of the postseason. And he come on in the game in the eighth inning after Victor Robles running out a uh, strikeout pass ball for strike three. Kind of tweaked that hamstring. Yeah, but we, but we know that Taylor has the knack for the postseason home run. So he joined Zimmerman as guys to homer in their first World Series at-bats. And for Taylor, it would turn out to be his only World Series at-bats. So he's he's perfect in World Series competition. It was a big game. You mentioned his Drupal Cabrera, two-run single in the seventh. Part of the three-run eighth was another RBI hit for him. And all that was after he struck out in each of his first three at-bats in the game against Verlander. But the Nationals uh, knew what he was capable of, the way he produced runs after joining them in early August, driving in 40 runs in 38 regular season games. But these were three big postseason RBIs for him in the World Series. Yeah, Cabrera had so many clutch hits, and he had great numbers coming into the series against Verlander. Didn't work out that way, but once Verlander left the game, Cabrera was big. Indeed he was. Javi Guerra got the ninth inning. He gave up a home run to Martin Maldonado. That made the final score 12-3, to a blowout win for the Nationals in Game 2. Another 2-2 pitch. Swing and a slow bouncer. Third base side. Rendon charges in as an off-balance throw to Zimmerman in time for the out. And a Game 2 World Series, Curly W is in the books. And flying high, heading home to the nation's capital, up two games to none in the 2019 World Series. That's right. It felt awfully good. I mean, you you felt like maybe when the Nationals left Houston, they wouldn't be coming back to Houston. But that that wasn't the script the the way it was intended to be written. do we even have to talk about games three, four, and five? <laughs> <laughs> well, the Astros. I don't, I don't remember much about those games, to be honest. It's been 86 years, a lifetime, and then some ago when the World Series was last played in the nation's capital. But tonight, on October 25th, 2019, at Nationals Park in Washington, D.C., it's game three of the 115th World Series between the Houston Astros and the Washington Nationals. Anibal Sanchez was coming off the outstanding game against the Cardinals in the National League Championship Series, uh, near no-hitter into the eighth inning of that game, and the Astros touched him for a run in the second, a run in the third, and he would go five and a third. He gave up four runs overall on ten hits, gave up a home run to Yanni Chirinos uh, in the in the sixth inning of the game. Uh, at that point, the Astros are up four to one, and that was the way the game finished. The Nationals managed one run in four and two-thirds innings against Zach Greinke, who I thought would get deeper into the game. They they pulled him at that point at 95 pitches, and the Astros' bullpen blanked the Nationals on two hits the rest of the way. Yeah, the story of this game, the Nationals had time after time an opportunity to get a hit with runner in scoring position, and just after delivering those hits in Houston, could not do it in this game. There was some frustration with the umpiring on a called strike three against Victor Robles at one point, but it seemed like they had Granky on the ropes, couldn't deliver. They ended up 0 for 10 with runners in scoring position. So, you know, okay, little speed bump. You didn't figure you were going to sweep the Astros. They're a, they were a terrific ball club. So uh, you figured maybe this is a hiccup and the Nationals get right back at it, get some key hits going into game four. series. The Nationals won the first two games of the series in Houston, but the Astros bounced back to win game three last night by the score of four to one. So a two games to one lead entering game four as the Nationals will have Patrick Corbin on the mound for his first ever World Series start. It was Saturday, October the 26th for Game 4 of the World Series. The Nationals had Patrick Corbin in the starting role and uh, Jose Urquidy, a rookie, going for the Astros. And Corbin got into trouble, Dave, immediately in a 26th pitch, top of the first inning. Here's a pitch, swing and a line drive, left center field. That's toward the gap and down. Robles will cut it off. Rounding third, Altuve, he'll score. Throw properly goes to second. Will hold Bregman with a single. Over to third on the play is Brantley. 
Three hits in a row for the Astros. Yeah, a bunch of hits. Astros strung together four in a row. Altuve, Brantley, Bregman with an RBI, Gurriel with an RBI. Now the set of the pitch. Swing the ground ball to third. Diving stop, Rendon. To his feet. His only play, maybe the first, is too late. He looked at second, had no play there. Had he gone to first immediately, he would have had an out. All of a sudden, Nationals were down two to nothing again. But you figured, okay, well, this is going to be a bullpen game for the Astros, but you weren't counting on Jose Urquidy to give per- perhaps the performance of his career and, and one of the best starts the Astros had in the postseason. The Nationals could not touch him. You know, he doesn't light up the radar gun like a Verlander or a Garrett Cole, but he had very good off-speed stuff, kept the Nationals off balance. And it's one of those where maybe you kind of went in there a little overconfident. You know, who, who is Jose Urquidy? Well, he, he pitched a gem, and you have to tip your cap as he came up big time. Chirinos had a two-run homer off Corbin following a leadoff walk in the fourth inning, made it four to nothing. The Nationals scored their only run in the bottom of the sixth inning, couple of walks, and infield it eventually runs scoring on an RBI ground out by Juan Soto, and that was against Josh James. And the Astros bullpen would hold the Nationals to just two hits over the rest of the ball game, and they tacked on four runs in the top half of inning number seven, the big uh, blow in the inning. A grand slam hit by Alex Bregman. 0-1. Swing a long drive down the left field line toward the corner. This is way back. If it's fair, it's a grand slam, and it is fair. Houston leads 8-1, a postseason grand slam, a World Series grand slam for Alex Bregman. And the Astros perhaps have applied a knockout punch here in Game 4. Yeah, that, that game was a nightmare, and all of a sudden the series is is tied at two, and uh, the momentum in this series has shifted to the Houston side, and it's setting up what figures to be an epic rematch of the mound matchup in game one with pivotal game five, Max Scherzer facing Garrett Cole, right? Or so we thought. What we didn't know, what the Nationals kept under wraps, went back a few days before that Max Scherzer was feeling some tightness, some discomfort in the upper part of his back and into his neck area. And a couple of days prior, they knew about it. He went through all of the treatment you could get, massages, chiropractic adjustments, whatever is needed over the course of a season that pitchers these days go through to try and get ready. But Max really was hurting the day before on Saturday. And so... Well, we didn't know Joe Ross was already alerted to be ready that you might have to go on Sunday. And when Max Scherzer woke up Sunday morning, he knew he couldn't even get dressed, couldn't put a shirt on. His wife had to help him get dressed. We didn't know any of this until later on. And in fact, we were getting ready. Our scorebooks had Max Scherzer in there with all his numbers. And uh, you and I were in the booth. It was about 425. I got up to walk down the hall from our broadcast booth at Nationals Park and I ran into a couple of broadcasters who were doing the game, uh, the international feed for MLB Network that was going all over the world outside of the United States. First, Buck Martinez, just for a little background for fans who may not know, Buck's a former big league catcher, a nice career, and a longtime broadcaster with the Toronto Blue Jays, has worked for ESPN and other networks, and actually came out of the booth to manage the Blue Jays for, for a stretch a few years back. Well, we're talking, we've known each other a long time, and he says, well, you know, Max is not pitching and he's floored me. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, April fools. He goes <laughs> on October 27th. That's, that's not a joke to me. It was not an April fools joke. Well, the networks get their own private meetings with the manager and they had had them already. And the word was, as it came down that this was not going to be announced until Davey Martinez went into his press conference for the rest of the media covering the world series at four 30. But Buck thought that I knew. I said, what are you talking about, Max? This is not, what are you, are you kidding? And then Matt Vaskersian walks into the booth. He goes, hey, Charlie, what's up? And Buck looks at him, he goes, hey, I told him. He goes, you told him? He goes, yeah, I told him. He goes, yeah, so you know now, Max is not pitching. They're going to announce it in five minutes. I'm like, you guys, if this is supposed to be a put on, this is really good, but it's not funny. And it must have been about 428, 429. We're still in there talking, talking about Joe Ross. And I, I was floored. And then, the PA in the booth comes on with the press box and the press conference and Davies saying, Max Scherzer will not pitch tonight. I said, guys, I'll be right back. And I come running back down the hall into our booth and I see the distressed look that's on your face. That certainly was on my face at that point. I'm like, it was not the phrase that I wanted to use, but it was what you used after the Howie Kendrick home run in the NLDS. I said, do you believe that? Do you believe it? 
No, we didn't believe it at the time, but I will say this, one of the, one of the cool, and there were, there was not much to be excited about in the three games, other than the fact that, that we were hosting a world series in the nation's capital. But the, the one cool moment that came out of all this mm-hmm. was when Joe Ross came out of the dugout at about seven 30 to go down to the bullpen to warm up. And he got an ovation fitting of Max Scherzer. He got an ovation that probably trumped what Max Scherzer would have gotten had he gone down to the bullpen at that time. So the fans who were in there saluted Joe Ross as if he were the conquering hero. And just talking to Joe about that, you know, normally got, you know, hey, you're, you're about to start a World Series game. You're tunnel vision. You try to block everything out. Hey, Joe, did you, did you hear that? Yeah, I heard it. <laughs> How could you not? So that, that was an incredible tip of the cap moment to the Nats fans that, you know, instead of wallowing, oh, oh no, you know, Max isn't going to pitch that they, they tried to get behind Joe Ross to, to lift him up and, and have him perform as, as well as he could. Yeah, it was amazing because, you know, the announcement came out at 4.30. And so folks are either it's on, on social way, media at 4.31. Right. right. They're either <laughs> on their way to the ballpark. They're listening to the radio. So they, they had basically three hours to absorb this. And, and I'm sure fans were talking about it. But for them, Alden Unison at once, when he walked out of that dugout to walk to the bullpen in right field to get loose with that many people in the park already. I mean, it almost reminded me of Steven Strasburg's debut in the big leagues. It, it was mm-hmm. almost like that. That, yep. that kind of spontaneous, simultaneous uh, eruption of the crowd. Yeah, and if it were Hollywood, Ross would have gone out and, and pitched the, the game of his life, and he would have been the <laughs> winning pitcher and the hero. You know, he, he pitched well. He, he pitched decently well. Unfortunately, Garrett Cole, you know, kind of put that cloak of invincibility back on, and he outpitched Joe. Joe gave up a couple of home runs, Alvarez in the second, Correa in the fourth. Other than that, he pitched very, very well, kept the Nationals in the game. But again, kind of the story of that entire three-game block, the Nationals couldn't get a key hit when they had chances. They didn't have many chances against Cole, and the Astros would win going away. Yeah, they were 0 for 2 with runners in scoring position, and those chances were the bottom of the second inning, back-to-back singles for Soto and Kendrick. Uh, Zimmerman struck out, and then Victor Robles uh, uh, hit into a double play uh, at that point, and that was that was it uh, against Cole. Other than the solo home run by Soto in the bottom of the seventh inning, four to one. Then the Astros tacked on a run in the eighth inning and got a two run homer from Springer in the ninth and went on to win the game seven to one. So now here we are, three games gone at Nationals Park. The Astros win all three of them, Dave, and they now lead the season series three games to two, heading back to Houston, presumably in the driver's seat. But well, the interesting thing was, you know, Davey Martinez. This is how he was all year long in that pregame press conference when he announced that Max Scherzer would not pitch and Joe Ross would. He said, I'm confident that Max is Max is going to get an injection. We hope that it works for him in the next 48 hours and everything goes right. He'll pitch game seven of the World Series, (laughs) (laughs) which which which, you know what? Considering that you had Strasburg in game six, you like the chances they could win that game. If you had Scherzer on the mound for game seven, Instead of using him in a, in a game five, I mean, you know, if Scherzer had pitched game five and pitched pretty well, Nationals probably still don't win that game, considering how well that Cole pitched. So the fact that Scherzer was available for game seven, I think maybe gave the Nationals a little bit of hope in what was somewhat of a hopeless situation uh, from the outside that they had lost these three games at home. Now, one of the interesting things when we're back at Midway Park and again into our pregame ritual, getting ready for the game, and who's out there in left field? playing catch on flat ground, but Max Scherzer deeming himself fit to go. But as we said, we thought, well, now game seven. But you know what? There's no game seven if you don't win game six. Max Scherzer was in the bullpen when that game started. Yep, but they weren't going to need him because they were going to get a gem from Steven Strasburg in game six. Indeed they were, but Max eventually did warm up in the bullpen during game six of the World Series. On the mound, making his second start of this World Series, 31-year-old Steven Strasburg. 5-2 and two is his record in the postseason in his career, and this postseason, 4-0 with a 193 ERA. Trey Turner in the box, trying to snap it 0-12. for 12. Verlander into the line of the first pitch is a fastball, two high, ball one. And we are underway with game six of the World Series. Trey Turner with an infield hit to start the game against Justin Verlander in game six. And then Adam Eaton gets the bunt down that sacrifices him to second and brings up Anthony Rendon with a chance to give the Nationals the early lead. Rendon the open stand. Shin guard on the inside of that front left leg. 
He'll hit with the knees bent, almost out of a crouch. The bat chest high in the pitch. Swing and a ground ball through the open right side. And into right center field, a base hit. Rounding third is Trey Turner. He comes in to score. And the Nationals accomplish what they were after at the start of this game with their game plan. Score early. Get on the board. So his single to right center field gets the Nationals on the board. One to nothing before Verlander would get the final two outs of the top of the first inning. But Dave, the Astros came right back against Strasburg in the bottom of the first inning. But it, what they weren't facing Steven Strasburg. They were facing Steven Strasburg basically telling them what was coming as Strasburg <laughs> was tipping his pitches in the first inning from the very start. First pitch of the game uh, from Strasburg. Springer hits a double. Then there's a wild pitch, a sack fly. A couple of batters later, a home run by Bregman on a changeup that he knew was coming. 2-0 to Bregman. Fastball hit in the air to left field. Soto back. He's at the wall. And this one is going, going, and gone. And so very quickly, Strasburg's in a 2-1 to hole, as in his first start of the series, because up two in the first. Bregman, though, seems to uh, maybe feeling that the, they're on the way to winning the World Series, gets a little frisky and carries his bat around first base in his home run trot, which did not go unnoticed by the participants on the third base side wearing <laughs> blue uniforms. And so the Nationals are down 2-1, to one, but uh, they needed to make an, a mid-game a very early in-game adjustment to Steven Strasburg delivery, and they did. It was pointed out and noted by the Nationals' uh, video man down in the clubhouse, John Toskis, that Strasburg was tipping his pitches as he did in a start against Arizona earlier. Paul Menhart delivered that message, kind of batted around his mind, do I, do I tell him or do I not? And he, he basically felt, if I don't tell him and Strasburg gets lit up and we lose the series, I'm not going to be able to live with myself. So he made the decision to tell Strasburg Strasburg made the adjustment that when he was coming set, he would repeatedly squeeze his glove back and forth so he would hide the the grip uh, that he was taking, which was the tell that the Astros had. And so as soon as he made that adjustment, the Astros couldn't touch him. Yeah, interestingly enough, when John Toskis told Paul Menard about it after the bottom of the first inning, he said, well, let me watch the bottom of the second so I can see exactly what he's doing. And he could call what Strasburg was throwing before he threw the pitch And Strauss still got the Astros out on three ground ball outs on a total of seven pitches, even with them possibly knowing what was coming. That was the the bottom part of the order, although it was Alvarez and Correa and then Chirinos. And then they made the adjustment after that bottom of the second inning in Strasburg, outside of giving up two hits, a single and a double in the fifth, and pitching around those was pretty much lights out the rest of the way in this game. Meanwhile, the Nationals down two to one, had a chance in the top of the third. Verlander walked Eaton and Rendon with two out back to back, but got Soto to ground out this time to get out of the inning. Howie Kendricks singled to left center leading off the fourth. There was a one out walk to Ryan Zimmerman, but Verlander was able to strike out Robles on a check swing and got Jan Gomes to fly out to left center to end the inning. But he would not get out of the top of the fifth inning unscathed. Now Verlander winds and delivers. Eaton swings and it's one a deep right. Down the line. Going. Going. Gone. Goodbye. A game-tying solo home run for Adam Eaton. Yeah, Adam Eaton came up with one out and delivered the, the equalizer. Another big hit for Spanky in that series, his second home run in the series. And he was just right in the middle of everything, wasn't he? Indeed he was. Uh, you know, it, it may not be for, for average when you look at him over the course of the postseason, but a lot of key hits produced a couple of home runs, drove in some key runs. And so his home run ties the game for the Nationals. And after Robles flies out to right center field, another battle with Soto at the plate. And the count goes to three and one. Verlander straight up as he takes signs. Now into his wide. Here's the pitch. Soto swings and hits one high and deep to right. This is way back. Going, going, and gone. Goodbye. Into the second deck. A tremendous home run for Juan Soto. And I thought that one was going to leave the stadium when it when it hit off his bat. He carries his bat toward uh, the first base coach, Tim Bogar. So that's a touche to Alex Bregman. The Nationals have the lead back. They're in front by the score of 3-2, to two, a lead that they would not relinquish. Verlander finishes five innings and is done after 93 pitches. The Astros go to the uh, bullpen. Brad Peacock, former National, with a scoreless sixth inning. Meanwhile, Strasburg, as we mentioned, pitched around the single and double in the bottom of the fifth and a leadoff infield hit in the sixth. And then at the top of the seventh inning, Uh, The Nationals with a base hit from Jan Gomes to start the inning. And then later with Will Harris, now a National on a relief for the Astros with two out. He had gotten a blue pop-up off the bat of Adam Eaton for the second out of the inning to the third baseman. But 
he could not get around Anthony Rendon. Harris is 1-0. Swing a high fly ball left field, sending Brantley back onto the warning track at the wall, looking up, and it is gone! Anthony Rendon puts it into the Crawford boxes, and the Nationals lead the ballgame 5-2 here in the seventh inning. And that Rendon home run took a lot of sting out of the very controversial play involving Trey Turner on the interference call at first base where Turner ruled out. And a full swing and a dribbler up the third base side. This could be a tough chance. Peacock hurries his throw and the ball gets away. The ball threw Gurriel down the right field line. Gomes is going to head for third and Turner to second as Gurriel's glove got knocked off. And they're going to call Turner out for being out of the baseline. If the Nationals had gone on to lose, that would have been the most talked about play of the entire series and of the entire season. But Turner, uh, Rendon, as, as they needed a pick-me-up, delivered a key late-inning hit. And so after a lengthy argument and a replay review, Rendon's home run makes it kind of a moot point. Although after the inning is over and in the middle of the seventh-inning stretch, Davey Martinez is called out by the crew chief, Gary Cedarstrom and ultimately gets ejected from the ballgame. Yep, he gets ejected for whatever was said after the inning that Davey was really set off by. And so now Chip Hale has managed the team. It's interesting, you know, we talked about it during the course of the replay. There was whether... The Nationals could protest the game, and eventually, you know, Joe Torre came out onto the field talking to the home plate umpire, Sam Holbrook. There's no such thing as a protest in the postseason because you got to decide right now. So basically, they make that decision, and, and they stood by the call. You know, Turner ran in a straight line, and I think what's tough about that rule for the base runner, even if you run in that channel outside the foul line, which puts you in foul territory, 45 feet down the line from home plate, halfway to first, you have to be in foul ground. He was about to hit the bag when Gurriel reached for the ball and his glove hit Turner in the backside. The base is entirely in fair territory. So even if you run in foul ground, you have to come back to fair territory to run through first base. It's a horrible rule. I mean, because as you said, you don't run in a straight line as a right-handed hitter to comply with the rule, and it rewards a bad throw. Yes. If that throw is a a perfect throw to the first baseman and Turner beats the play as it looks like he was going to, he's safe. But because it's a bad throw, the defense is rewarded. It's a bad rule. You could say maybe that the umpires called it correctly, although I think the Nationals' argument is that Turner was through the bag and was safe. It's a horrible rule. And maybe a poor application of that rule at that time. But fortunately, Anthony Rendon made it a moot point. Yep, the two-run homer at that point of the game, the Nationals are up by the score of 5-2, to two, a leaping catch and a line drive by the first baseman, Gurriel, a ball hit by Soto, ended the inning. And uh, now Steven Strasburg. We would find out later on, Dave, uh, uh, at the hotel and post-game celebration, Stras felt like he was done after six innings and 86 pitches. He was hanging. But, you know, he gutted it out, went through the seventh inning, one, two, three, one long fly in the inning, uh, a one, two, three, bottom of the eighth inning for him. And the eighth inning is over. Steven Strasburg retires the Astros in order on five pitches in the bottom of the eighth. And now uh, that was a five-pitch inning, 102 pitches. You and I are both thinking, well, the way he was allowed to go to 118 pitches, what it was in the National League Championship Series, he could finish this game. Absolutely. You're thinking maybe he is going to finish because he's through eight. I think a key, though, for the Nationals was they they tack on two more in the top of the ninth. Anthony Rendon has another uh, two-run double, scoring Turner and Eaton. How many have left here, if any, at Minute Maid Park? If he hits one out, they'll leave. Yeah. Here's the pitch. Swing and a drive in the air to right center field. This is deep. Reddick going back, way back over his head. And it is off the wall and in play. Turner has scored. Eaton around third. He will score as the throw comes in from right center field. So instead of it being 5-2, to two, it's now 7-2. to two. you got a little more room to play with, Chip Hale. And so he's able to, to let Strasburg go out and get one more out before ultimately ending his terrific outing at 8 and a third. Chip Hale is coming out. He's taking the ball. Uh, and that was the arrangement before the inning. He said, how much more do you need from me after the seventh? He said, can you do the eighth? I can do the eighth. He's after the eighth. How about you get Guriel, and then we'll bring Doolittle in for Alvarez and see if he can finish the game out. Strauss was fine with that. 104 pitches as it turned out because he got that out on two pitches in the bottom of the uh, ninth inning. Eight and a third, two runs, five hits, struck out seven and walked two. And that's how his season ended right there. And we're thinking, well, maybe uh, maybe you can get a batter in Game Seven. But uh, he had a tremendous postseason to go five and zero in the postseason was was outstanding. And now the Nationals just needed to win the next game for him to lock down the MVP. 
no doubt. Five wins for him in the postseason. Amazing. Maybe he was the MVP of the entire postseason with what he did for the Nationals when he came out of the bullpen of the wildcard game and his performances thereafter. So a 7-2 to win for the Nationals. And now, Dave, we have what we knew was going to be the final day of the 2019 season because there was no threat of weather with a retractable roof at Minute Maid Park. Wednesday, October 30th, Game 7 of the 2019 World Series was going to be the final day of the season. We're here at Minute Maid Park in Houston where the baseball season will end later on tonight and one team will go home the world champions. It's Game 7 of the 115th World Series. Yeah, we, we obviously, we've never been in that scenario before. The Nationals have faced elimination games in previous seasons and lost. So sometimes you go to the ballpark knowing your season's going to end, but you hope it's going to continue. We knew going to the ballpark that day, the season was going to be over one way or another. So the matchup was Zach Greinke for the Astros and Max Scherzer, of course, able to go in game seven. He did warm up in the bullpen in game six. He threw on flat ground the day before, but he said none of that really mattered. He was good to go in game seven. The Nationals went out one, two, three on eight pitches in the top of the first inning. Trey Turner hit a bullet line drive to the third baseman Bregman, which was one of the hardest balls the Nationals hit off of Greinke until later in the game. Yeah, the thing about watching Granky in this game was it was amazing how weak the contact was for the most part, Turner's ball being the exception, but it seemed like Granky was making all the plays. I mean, how many how many comebackers did he field? He was able to turn a 1-4-3 double play in the second inning. He handled one in the third. He handled two in the fourth. He handled one in the fifth. I mean, literally the Nationals struggled to get the ball past the pitcher. He was just, he was crafty. And uh, he's done that against the Nationals throughout his career. And so it was a tough matchup for them in this game. Meanwhile, the Astros were able to get the lead on a leadoff home run by Gurriel in the bottom of the second inning. Max gave up consecutive hits to Alvarez and Correa following, but then got the next three outs, including that line drive to left by George Springer, where Soto had to go to his knees to make the catch. Springer digs in the pitch, swinging a line drive left field. Soto is there, and then he lunges and makes the catch on the grass with a glove, bombs up. On a sinking liner, he froze and almost didn't get in far enough to make the catch. He had to fall forward and make the catch with his glove resting on the grass to retire the side. That could have blown the game open if that ball uh, somehow gets by him. Yeah, that wall was knuckling and potentially, I mean, it seemed like the Nationals were were about ready to, to fall off the balance beam at several times during Scherzer's five innings. That was another one, but big time catch there for Soto. Yeah, Max pitched around a leadoff single and a one-out walk in the bottom of the third. He pitched around a two-out base hit uh, by Josh Reddick and a walk to Springer in the fourth. And then he did give up a second run in the bottom of the fifth, the leadoff single. He kicks, he delivers, and a swing and a ground ball. Past the diving, Rendon got a piece of it, deflects it into foul ground. Around third, Guriel, he scores. Ahead for third is Alvarez. The throw there, not in time, with Turner having to chase the ball down in foul ground. Then there was a strikeout. A ground ball to it, a force play, two outs. He walks Alvarez and gives up a base hit to Correa before striking out Chirinos to end the inning. And for Max at 103 pitches in five innings, a 27-pitch fifth inning, he emptied the tank there. And all in all, when you didn't know if he would be able to pitch again when he was scratched in game five, he gave up two runs over five innings. You're still in the game down 2 nothing. if the Nationals could find a way to get to Granke. Yeah, he laid it out all on the line, considering what, like you say, you know, was he even going to pitch at all? He did. He gave the Nationals everything he had. And so the Nationals down 2 nothing, top of the sixth inning. Another 1-2-3 inning for Greinke with a strikeout. Patrick Corbin came out of the bullpen for the Nationals in the bottom of the sixth inning, gave up a leadoff single to Jake Marisnik, but then uh, able to retire the next two batters, including Altuve, grounding into a double play. That was big to get out of the inning. And the Nationals were down 2 nothing in this game, going to the top of the seventh, the game. And ultimately, Dave, what would happen, the outcome of this season would change in the top of the seventh inning. No question about it. And we were figuring, when is Garrett Cole coming in out of the bullpen? Uh, obviously, I don't think the Astros figured Granke was going to get them into the seventh inning. He only pitched into the fifth inning in his earlier start in the series. So maybe whatever pregame plan the Astros had come up with was changed because of how effectively Granke was pitching. But as the outs keep going by quickly, you're worried, man, they're going to get to, to Garrett Cole here pretty soon. And then it's going to be real tough to try to come back later. And so the Nationals needed a spark. 
and they got one from the Houston native who seemed to do it every time they needed it in the postseason. He did it in L.A. to get their rally started in Game 5. It was Anthony Rendon in his matchup with Granke. Granke delivers. Swing a long drive to left. Way back. Forget about it. It is going, going, and long gone into the Crawford boxes, and the Nationals are on the board. Anthony Rendon has his second home run in the World Series. It's now the Astros 2 and the Nationals 1. So that home run comes with one out in the top of the seventh inning on a 1-0 pitch. And after a walk to Juan Soto ensued, I thought Granke at that point still very sharp, was only at 80 pitches. That was the end of the night for him after the walk to Soto. And so many times when you take a pitcher out who's that dominant, doesn't matter. You know, Will Harris has been great in the postseason. They could have brought in anybody else. You're thinking on the national side, boy, thank goodness Granke is out of the game. Now it's time to go to work. And it would take just a matter of two pitches for the Nationals to take the lead for good with Howie Kendrick delivering yet again. Outside target, Chirinos the pitch. Swing a line drive, slice down the right field line toward the corner. Springer back, looking up, and this one is gone. It hits the foul pole, and the Nationals lead. Howie Kendrick has done it again. A slicing two-run homer off the right field foul pole. Do you believe it, Howie Kendrick? Part two. Dave, I could watch that swing a thousand times, and he could throw that same pitch in that same location a thousand times. And Howie Kendrick, uh, in spring training, faced Will Harris in, in inter-squad before the Grapefruit League games began this past spring. He said he threw me that same pitch. He goes, I couldn't hit it. When the balls hit, it, you know, it had some pretty good carry off the bat, but how many times do you see a ball hit by a right-handed hitter down the right field line where you think it's going to be in there or maybe it's going to be a home run and it slices foul? you know, just down the line toward the corner. And as Springer kept going back, we're watching the flight of the ball going, man, this has got some carry. It's got a chance to leave the park. Just please stay fair. And not only did it stay fair, but the doink, the clang off the foul pole is a, is a magical sound. Music to Nats fans' ears to hear that sound off the foul pole. Unbelievable. The Nationals had the lead 3-2, to two, and they would never trail again in 2019. As Drupal Cabrera singled to center, Will Harris was out of the game. Ryan Presley would pitch uh, the Astros eventually out of the inning with the help from Joe Smith. Each got an out, but the Nationals were able to tack on more in the top half of uh, the eighth inning and two more in the top of the ninth inning. Here's the pitch. Swing it a line, drive base, hit toward the line. Eaton rounding third. He's on his way to the plate. The right fielder Springer up with it will play to second. Eaton slides across the plate anyway without a play. Here's the set of the pitch. Swing it a line, drive base, hit center field for Eaton. Scoring from third is Gomes. They hold up the runner. The ball is missed. Robles breaks for the plate. The throw will go into the shortstop, Correa. Two-run score of the play and a base it up the middle for Adam Eaton. Things really came apart. Roberto Asuna, Ryan Presley, Joe Smith, all guys that they counted on. The Nationals banged them around in the final two and a half innings of the game. And again, we never saw Garrett Cole. We were sitting there, when is Cole going to come in? When is Cole going to come in? And A.J. Hinch wrote it, wrote out other guys. Well, Osuna, Presley, Smith all gave up you know, runs in that situation. Meanwhile, Davey Martinez had a hot hand going on his side. Maybe you figured Corbin was going to give you one inning. Well, how do you feel? I feel great. <laughs> he gives him two innings. Well, that's going to be it. Well, now how do you feel? I feel great. Well, now he's going to give him three innings. So Patrick Corbin is going to be uh, right up there in, in, as far as his Moment in Nationals history to be a winning pitcher in Game 7. Three innings out of the bullpen. 44 pitches, 28 strikes, two hits. Struck out three and walked none. And now to the bottom of the ninth after the Nationals had tacked on those two runs in the top of the ninth inning. Another RBI hit for Adam Eaton. Juan Soto had an RBI hit in the eighth inning. The Nationals just continue to pour it on. Have a 6-2 to two lead, six unanswered runs to have that lead for Daniel Hudson on at the bottom of the ninth inning. And initially, Daniel told me this this spring, the plan was for him to face Springer and Altuve. Doolittle was warming that Doolittle would come in and face Brantley, the left-handed hitter, to get the final out. It didn't end up being that way because after George Springer popped to second. Now the pitch. Swinging a high pop-up. Playable to the infield. First, Drupal Cabrera, the second baseman, toward the middle on the right side, waiting. He makes the catch. One away here in the bottom of the ninth inning. Altuve struck out on three pitches. Two looking and then a wild swing at a pitch up seemingly in his eyes to strike out for the second out. Now Hudson coming set. The right-hander kicks and delivers. Swing and a miss. He struck him out with a high fastball on three pitches. One more out to go. 
And that's kind of when my engine turned, Dave. Uh, you know, I think emotionally in my brain, another gear kick. 6-2, two, two out, bottom of the ninth inning. The way he just went down and how quiet Minute Maid Park was, it was as if this is going to happen. This is going to happen. The Nationals are going to win the World Series. You felt it was over. It was a matter of when. And Davey Martinez recognized Hudson was the hot hand. They couldn't touch him. Let him let him ride. Let him roll. Hudson told me this spring after Altuve struck out and he got the throwback from Jan Gomes, he turned to walk back toward the mound and was expecting to look over his left shoulder that Davey Martinez would be coming to the mound. So Hudson got to the mound, turned and looked, and Davey wasn't coming. And Davey motioned to him and yelled to him, you got this, you got this. He said emotionally, you know, his engine was shutting down after he struck out Altuve. And in a moment's notice, an emotional swing as he's walking back to the mound and looks to the dugout, you got this. And now his his emotional roller coaster went the other way that he's going to try and get the final out of the World Series. The Nationals are a strike away from franchise history and some World Series history. As Hudson tries to close it out, it'll be another 3-2 pitch to Michael Brantley. Hudson sets the kick, and here it comes. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books. The celebration is on. The Washington Nationals are the world champions. Remember where you are. So you remember where you are right now at 11.50 Eastern Time. Remember where you are on October 30th, 2019 when the Washington Nationals finish the fight. And it turned out to be a six-pitch battle with Brantley uh, fouling off a couple of pitches. Actually, three, six, seven pitches because he gets the strikeout on the seventh pitch after he had fouled away the previous pitch and gets him with that slider down and in. And the celebration was on. From the depths of a forgettable 19-31 start, they have climbed to the top of baseball's highest peak giving us all a finish to a season we will remember for the rest of our lives. The Nationals celebrate just behind the pitcher's mound. A world championship. Curly W is in the books. The Nationals down to nothing. Six unanswered runs. They beat the Astros six to two. They are the world champions of baseball. Unbelievable. And that's, of course, how the Nationals ended the World Series. An amazing run from 19 and 31 to go 74 and 38 and then run through the postseason as they did, Dave, and uh, win 12 games. What was it? 12 and 5 and 17 Mm -hmm. postseason games. Win the World Series four games to three. Historic in that no road team had ever won each game of the World Series. Fortunately, the Nationals won four of them, four of the seven. And uh, what a night it was from that moment on. You were already uh, heading down to the field for post-game interviews, the, the stage ceremony, more interviews on the field. Eventually, it seemed as we were in the clubhouse and the players did their toast and the champagne was uncorked. They had celebrated how many times to this point with post-game celebrations. And a lot of the players had to leave to go do interviews on national TV and national radio out on the field. This celebration probably didn't last as long as some of the others because I think they were actually exhausted and hungry and wanted to be with their families at the celebration that would take place a little later on at the team hotel. And, and, and another emotion in there too. I mean, obviously relief that you've, you finally wanted it you know, for some guys, long careers to finally win it, but maybe with a, a slight twinge of sadness in there, because you know, as, as every elimination game came about, you're saying, man, this team, they love to play with each other so much. You don't want the season to end. This team has more games to play mm-hmm. together as a group. Well, once you win the world series, that's it. The 2019 Nationals will never play together again, and certain guys are going to be on the 2020 team, and certain guys have gone elsewhere. But that group, as it was comprised, they were done after that night. So maybe a small hint, very, very tiny hint of, of, of disappointment that, they're, that that group is finally going to be uh, you know, not together anymore. But they will be in, in 10 years for the reunion and 20 years for the reunion. So uh, th- there was a lot of relief mixed in with the joy of winning it all. Yeah, seeing the families come in to the clubhouse at the celebration. Of course, Mark Lerner coming back from the, the health issues they had in recent years. Ted and Annette Lerner 
in the clubhouse during the, the wild celebration, the players dousing themselves with beer and champagne, and they're seated in chairs watching it all and taking it all in and how they celebrated it, but enjoying it nonetheless from uh, thinking back to the moment they bought the team. And Ted always would say to me, you never know how this is going to go. He goes, and nobody could have conceived this. <laughs> <laughs> well, special that though that happened for, for Ted while he is still alive and they, they won the National League pennant on his birthday. And now ultimately, uh, the, the goal that they had set out to bring a championship team to Washington finally came true. Well, here on Curly W Live from the booth, we talk about great games in Nationals history. David will be a while uh, before we put together a group of games like this. Well, we hope sooner than later uh, to compete with the 2019 postseason and, of course, the Nationals' first-ever world championship. Yeah, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been fun reliving it all. I mean, they, these are interesting times, but at least we have a, a fun 2019 to, to look back on, and we appreciate uh, Geico making this possible. Curly W. Live from the booth, presented by Geico. Geico makes it so easy to switch and save on car and homeowners insurance. Visit geico.com and see how much you can save. Geico, proud partner of the Washington Nationals. Well, now comes the point where we take questions from fans here on Curly W Live from the booth. You can send yours to us at nationalsradio at nationals.com or direct message us on Twitter at at Nats Radio. And this one comes from Eric and Holly Johnson. Dave and Charlie, I know there were so many moments. But what were you what would you say were your favorite moments to call in the regular season? Well, 2019, Dave, early in the year, we didn't know if we'd see a lot of great moments. I mean, you always have a few walk-off wins during the course of the season, but I don't know if there'll ever be one to compare to the one on September the 3rd when the Nationals were down 10-4 to for the Mets and rallied with seven runs on seven hits in the bottom of the ninth inning to be capped with that Kurt Suzuki walk-off three-run home run off Edwin Diaz. That's my favorite moment of the season. There's no top in that one. I mean, that's something the Nationals have been playing for 15 years, and I think their greatest ninth inning comeback had been four down. So to come back to win being down by six is an historic comeback. And so you, you definitely put that on the top of the list. But, I mean, all through the, the run uh, from when the season bottomed out, I mean, there were some big wins in there that were a lot of fun. I mean, I remember the four home run game in a row in San Diego. I believe it's happened fewer than 10 times in the history of the game. And the Nationals have done it twice, actually, to hit four consecutive home runs. And to do it against Craig Stammen, who's our buddy, a former National, the Nationals had scored one run in three years against Stammen. So that one was out of the blue uh, to to do the damage against a pitcher they had really struggled against. Uh, the, the Max Scherzer broken nose game, when he struck out, uh, Real Muto on the slider to to punctuate seven shutout innings with the with the three color eyes that in that game and uh, and the, and the swelling what a performance that was uh, a cool series for me the the series where they swept the Cubs at Wrigley in late August was a, a big series because they had come out of Pittsburgh they had a tough travel they played a Thursday night game in Pittsburgh turned around traveled to play a Friday day game Anibal Sanchez almost throws a complete game shutout in the in game one the Nationals blow them out in game two and win a tight game three and you say man this team just went into Chicago and at that point the Cubs were still very much in the thick of not only the wild card race but the division title race and you said wow if they can go to Chicago under these circumstances and sweep the Cubs this team's going to go to the postseason you know, kind of a circle to calendar moment to say that this team's got something going on here. And and true to the character of the Nationals team, one of the newest Nationals at that point was his Drupal Cabrera. He'd only been with the team about three weeks, if that. And Howie Kendrick, they were facing all lefties. So Howie had played like four days in a row. And he physically... The last game of the series told Davey, I need a day. Ryan Zimmerman was still on the injured list, so the Nationals needed, facing another lefty, needed a right-handed bat. Or normally, you know, Gerardo Parra played some first base earlier in the year when they were in a bind with all of the injuries. So here's his Drupal Cabrera, never played first base before. Sunday game, day game, he goes out there early to work out with the coaches, Tim Bogar and Chip Hale. He plays first base that day. For the first time in his long mm-hmm. career. And again, you know, Davey always talked about, you know, at some point I'm going to ask you guys to do something you may not have done before. There was another one. And, uh, and Cabrera had big hits in that series and in that game. And that's what we've talked about. Just this team was going to do whatever it took on that day to, to try to win a game. So there are a lot of special moments over 162, maybe in future Curly W in the booth podcast, we might highlight it a game or two that we've talked about in this one, but uh, there were a lot of great moments to to get through 162 to make October possible. 
We hope you've enjoyed this edition of Curly W Live from the booth, again presented by Geico. Follow us if you can wherever you get your podcasts, nationals.com slash podcast to find us. And again, subscribe. We'll have more podcasts coming for you in the future. And now for Dave Jagler, I'm Charlie Slows. We'll see you next time here on Curly W Live from the booth.